Welcome to Below the Line, where we talk about working in Hollywood from the crew perspective. My name is Skid. I'm a former assistant director and your host. For the next month, Below the Line is all about the Oscars. It's the fourth year we've done this, but in case you're new to the podcast, I'm hosting panels of film industry professionals to discuss the nominees and their category of expertise. This is the second of 10 episodes, and we'll wrap the series just before the 95th Academy Awards ceremony on March 12th. Today, we're talking about makeup and hairstyling, and I'm happy to welcome back some friends of the show. Angela Nagaro, you've been a film industry makeup artist for 30 years. Congrats on your gold card. And your credits include Mosquito Coast, Alias, and Why Women Kill. Nice to see you again. Thank you. Nice to see you, too. And we're also joined by Avon Depatikuka. Avon, you've been an industry hairstylist for 30-plus years, and your credits include The Grinch, Planet of the Apes, and Being the Ricardos. Welcome back. Thanks, kids. Good to be here. Now, listeners, I mentioned just a few of their credits, but these ladies have a ton. And you can learn more about them at the Internet Movie Database. Below the Line also has a page. And if you start there, you can simply click through on the names of my guests. Let's get into this. The five films nominated for makeup and hairstyling are All Quiet on the Western Front, The Batman, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Elvis, and The Whale. We're going to discuss them in that order. And spoilers are possible. So consider this a warning. One quick note, we do like to recognize our below-the-line compatriots by name, even if it means I'm occasionally mispronouncing some of them. So apologies in advance. First up, All Quiet on the Western Front, and the nominated team is Heike Merker and Linda Eisenhammerova. I thought the makeup was fantastic. I thought that it definitely aided in the telling of the story. Continuity must have been... A hellacious nightmare because <laughs> that's no easy feat with what they were enduring between water and everything else. But I don't know if I would consider this to be an Academy contender in that category, but I love the movie. It's got a lot of nominations. This was one of the more interesting ones, I thought, as far as understanding what they were looking for. I mean, I know that they also did a presentation on how they did and how they maintained the makeup, which unfortunately I did not get to see besides the movie. Because I think that there's probably, they were probably aware of the fact that people would have questions as to why they were in this category to begin with and to address those questions. But I do think that it was phenomenal work. I feel the same way, um, Angela. I thought the movie, the work was incredible. And doing big movies in different capacities, and you've done this too, where uh, I'm either the department head or I've been a key, and I've also worked in the BG world, which are a lot of unsung heroes also, who never usually get rewards other than writing out what happened. So I too agree. The makeups were amazing. It's war, (laughs) you know, it's blood, it's dirt. It's water, it's schmutz and all of that. And that's a lot of work. Those are the things that the Academy recognizes. And that's probably why it's in there because of what incredible amounts of work had to go into. Continuity, hellacious. The dirt, the mud, the water, the blood, all of it, you know, continuously. So I think they got it right. But I also am, it's not like to me, an Academy Award Let's put that right in there with these other like 
kind of incredible pieces that were done, not to take away from any of the work. I think the work was brilliant, but that's just, you know, that's why we're here. We have our personal opinions also. I agree. There was one particular aspect of this film, and I wanted your insights. I'm curious about the process of aging the young characters. When they enlist, they're the model of youth. But the film does a time jump, and the horrors of war have aged these characters well beyond a few years. It's a critical aspect of their character development, and I'd like to hear more about the makeup techniques that made that possible. Until you just brought that to my attention, because I was so emotionally connected to the movie, I didn't even notice that. That now would actually make more sense to me why it is now included in this. Now I have to go back, and I'm sorry I'm doing this post, but I have to go back <laughs> and watch the demonstration that they did and they discuss it, because I would be curious to see that. But that is a specific challenge, right? And then how do you how do you yeah. approach that? I, I want to understand better the expertise that allows that to work so effectively. I would imagine that they probably did some, some stippling, very light stippling of latex to give them aging and wrinkles and not anything that's going to bring them 90 years later, you know, like we're used to seeing when we age people, but just things to, to break up skin tone. Once you start breaking up skin tones, you immediately age. You, if you look at a child, the skin is all one perfect, beautiful color. And as we age and we get spots and, the, you know, all the stuff, that's part of the reason that we look older if it's not necessarily wrinkles. So breaking down is always part of telling a story when somebody's going through it. You know what I mean? The air quotes, the going through it. So I think that that, and again, and you know, like I said, I was very caught up in this this young boy's journey last night when I was watching, because I watched that one last night and I didn't actually pay attention to the fact that he had aged. But again, beautifully, because if I did, it means they didn't do their job. And I have so many of those movies that they weren't doing their job and it took me out of the movie. This they did appropriately because again, I stayed in emotionally the entire journey. All right, the second film on our list is The Batman, and nominated is Naomi Dunn, Mike Marino, and Mike Fontaine. Uh, the Batman, well, we're doing another cartoon movie. The Batman is amazing, very dark. The most amazing makeup is a transformation of Colin Farrell, because I didn't even, he was gone, which is fantastic. All you could do once you knew it was him was recognize those dark black brown eyes of his. Everything else disappeared. You know, his screen time wasn't that long or anything. And the rest, you know, I I have mixed feelings about all of that. I mean, I thought it was great. I think the costuming and all of that. But as far as the whole thing on makeup and hairstyling, for me, uh, it, it was it was great. I'm happy that it's in there, but also, um, you know, to compare or do anything else is kind of like um, going backwards for me because I just, for me, it didn't hit all the marks that it's like, okay, it's a dark, dark movie and it's Batman, but that was the makeup that stood out for me. The rest was like, it was great and it told a story, but didn't tell a huge story to me. So, you know, but I'm sure other people have their own opinions about it because there's so many um, comic and Marvel and all those people that are like so happy about everything that happens, no matter what it is. They don't look at it in the same way either as we do as working in the business. So that's all I have to say about Batman. But I did think the makeup they did on Colin Farrell was quite brilliant. And Joe, what would you add to that? Funny enough, it was actually one of my favorites. 
and I know the director. I worked with him many years ago when he was used to work on Felicity. I thought it was one of the best directed films out of all of them. I thought that the emotional through line carried me, which to me is important. I, you know, I'm, I need the whole thing to work together and you could spot out the makeups, but I think the whole thing needs to come together. Um, I thought Colin Farrell's makeup was phenomenal and I had completely forgotten that it was him. And then when I remembered after the fact, I was like, oh my God, that's right. That was Colin Farrell. And I thought all of the makeups were really appropriate for the story that they were trying to tell about, you know, Gotham and the city going insane and all of the insanity it portrayed to me. It worked. So I liked it very much, actually. And I thought the makeups were beautiful. All of the makeups that are nominated this year are all realistic makeups. And so it's going to be very hard picking the one or the two out. They've got a hard job for themselves this year. They're all amazing makeups and they're all on the same level. So really, how they're going to determine that is going to be a rough one, I think. Normally, there's a period piece represented. And I'm trying to think what from 2022 that would have been, but it's not on this list this year. There were a lot of snubs, as there usually is. And, you know, not much you can do about it. Sometimes there's outrage and sometimes it's just the way it is. That happens where people are left off the short list, even the 10. There's others that in the past I thought might have been better suited to be in the Oscar categories and they weren't and others were. So, Well, moving on to the next one that was Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. And the nominated team is Camille Friend and Joel Harlow. Okay. I think that Joel is one of the best makeup artists that we have in our industry right now. He's phenomenal. He's a phenomenal sculptor. He's phenomenal. I don't know if I think that this movie displays all that he is and all that he is capable of. I found that this movie, in terms of being an Academy movie, had the least amount to go from with everything. Again, all of the makeups were story appropriate. All of the makeups facilitated in telling the story that they were trying to say. Nothing took me out. Um, compared to some of the other makeups that were going on, I don't think that this showcased as much. Uh, <laughs> I'm in the same boat. I, you know, I've worked with Joel and you have, and we know him, his work is magnificent. And again, here's another place where people are not given credit on other things and then given credit later, uh, on another project that's not equal to the one they didn't, you know, get nominated for, which is like, always like, really? And this year we're, we're gonna put this in. And I, you know, it's visually, it's great visually to look at, I mean, and all of that. But from my perspective, it's again, continuing on with something that has been done similarly. And it's not like a brand new, whatever. There was a, another movie that didn't even get a nod that I thought there were other things that were done that were, you know, told the story more as opposed to what I felt about uh, Wakanda forever. I mean, you know, the hair work is fantastic. It's, there's nothing bad to be said about the work. But I also have the same kind of feelings within myself and somebody else will have a different one. Of course, that's what's so great about having your own concepts about movies or 
anything for that fact. And so for me, it also, it told a story and I was there and I was involved and watched it all. But there are other things that make me go, wow, this did not. And, you know, that's okay. But that's not to take any credit away from what Camille pulled off. And, you know, I do know the work that goes involved and how many people are involved to make these things happen. But that's not, I mean, I think the Academy has a lot of work to do to come down with a cross winner here and not just a political winner or whatever. So interesting enough, the first one, the Black Panther, had way more going on. Yeah. In terms of scarring and all of the stuff that they had all over his body. It was very stylized. It was very stylized. It was way, I mean, it, it, and makeup wise, it had a lot more going on. Yeah. And they didn't get nominated, which I think is interesting. So here now, and I don't know if they're writing the emotional ticket of the Chadwick Boseman thing, which there are, because if you watch the movie, you see that the minute that the Marvel sign comes up, it's literally an entire tribute to him. Yes. So I don't know if they're looking to ride that ticket and to, you know, to, you know, pull some heartstrings. But I do think that the makeups in the first one really pushed the envelope way more than this one did. And we hadn't seen it on that level before. You and I know the scarring work and everything, uh, you know, is unbelievably intricate and a lot of work. So that's good to point out that I'm in agreement with that one. So the fourth film on our list is Elvis. The nominated team is Mark Coulier, Jason Baird, and Aldo Signoretti. Take it away, ladies. The makeups were brilliant. I hated the movie. It was so gimmicky. And I like Baz Luhrmann. I, I loved Moulin Rouge. I like his other movies. I felt like I was under assault, which made it very difficult for me to watch this movie because I actually do, as an adult, have an attention span. And I felt like the entire movie catered to a group of people who do not have an attention span. So it was made like an MTV video that just kept hitting you with imagery in the head. So that's my, that's my opinion about the movie. The makeups were beautiful. Tom Hank was fantastic. Right? He looked amazing. He portrayed that character amazing. I think really that's all that they had going on in that. He, I don't think he had anything on his face, not that I could tell and not that I know of. But I do think that, again, in terms of makeups telling a story, the makeup told the story, did its job appropriately. I also feel like there was a part of me that I'm hoping that they take it because I do feel like. The movie he should have gotten his award for, he didn't get it. So there is a part of me that would like to see that made up because I think he's another incredibly talented makeup artist who deserves his dues. There was actually hair in that, Yvonne. You actually have something to talk about. There was. <laughs> Not much, but we agree on a lot of things, you and I. And as makeup and hair people, for me, I'm a huge Baz Luhrmann fan of him and his wife and the production value and the the way, you know, he is a pop star. He does do his movies where he takes the youth and enraptures old music and mixes it in Romeo and Juliet, Moulin Rouge. 
I mean, orgasmically beautiful in every capacity, makeup, hair, production design, costumes. And this one was more of all of his movies, my least favorite either. And I wanted to adore it uh, because I've talked about this before with you guys. The publicity machine starts pushing movies like the minute they're done. Academy Award this and dr, 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 dr. and I mean we all know that the truth of the matter is let's hold on a second here but that's they're already starting that machine going so there have been many movies in the history since I've been around 30 plus years that you know they the machine does that I watch it when I'm at work I watch the publicists marching in and what they're going to do and how they're starting to move this movie forward hence sometimes movies shouldn't really be that grand or presented to the world, but it's like an algorithm. The publicists were the first algorithm. They would just drive it and drive it and drive it. And if they wanted something to win, they put all their money into it. And there may be another little dark horse movie over here that only had maybe, you know, 80 people on the crew and it didn't have the $500 million budget and all the glamour and it's not seen in the same fashion. Uh, so that being said, I love his movies. They're colorful and bright, but it didn't do for me what I thought it was going to do for me, which was jack me up and jazz me up because there was so much stuff going on around well, you know, we all love Tom Hanks and we don't like him playing these crummy characters. He was amazing. And the makeup, you know, it told, he told the story of Colonel Tom Parker, which was not very pleasant, <laughs> by the way. So I agree that it was pushed like an MTV video thing. And sometimes because it moves so fast, things are missed. I mean, I watched it again later. I thought the kid was brilliant. And, you know, he's one of the front runners, I'm sure. And the publicity machine started on him before anything even happened. So... I, I'm not sure the lace work on Tom. It's it's really magnificent. And I also know we've seen this for years. People do this amazing thing and they don't win. Something else comes from the sidebar, maybe got a little more publicity. I don't know. Or maybe uh, an animated film doesn't, they don't think it works for whatever. But yeah, it just didn't do what most of Baz's films do for me, which is like, this is just, it was eye candy, but it was a little too gimmicky. Yeah. It was too gimmicky. Everything was a big gimmick. Yeah. But that being said, you know, there were plenty of things in there that were magnificent. The work was, you know, the work is brilliant. And doing this all the time, we both know these are challenges. And we, you know, every those people rose up to the occasion and in different weird circumstances and dirt parking lots and all that stuff too. But yeah, for me, it, it wasn't one of my favorite Baz films, and I'm a huge fan of him and his wife, who does both, who does production design and costuming. Now, you guys talked about the hair makeup on Tom Hanks. Do you think it was a similar type of challenge to get Austin Butler to age through Elvis's years? They, they didn't age him very much at all. If any. And if they were going to be realistic towards the end of his life, you know, he wasn't as beautiful anymore, okay? He was bloaty. I mean, there were many things that could have told the story, the real story, which we all know. But, you know, it's kind of like when Quentin changed the ending of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Baz might have wanted to just 
memorialize him in the beauty years because I never really saw him age or look like a bloated older Elvis Presley in the film. It was the beautiful Elvis throughout the most of the movie. Any aging was extremely subtle. So that that was not part of the story, aging him. Like, you know, all quiet on the Western front. He was pretty. So, And that may be the story that Baz wanted to tell. Obviously it is, because that's how they, they did it. A lot of those things are completely out of our hands. When a director turns around and says, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. This is what I want to, you know. Well, that's what happened on Babylon. The director wanted it that way. And you go through a whole film and at the end, she looks like the period. I'm like, okay, so that's the confusing part. And yes, sometimes we don't even have a say. We just go, yes, sir, I'll have another. (laughs) (laughs) The fifth and final film on our list is The Whale. And the nominated team is Adrian Moreau, Judy Chin, and Anne-Marie Bradley. Now, this is the one film on the list that I actually haven't seen. A24 did send the Directors Guild a streaming option, but when it didn't get nominated for that uh, slate of awards, they pulled it. And so I missed my window to catch up. I have seen the hair makeup, but I didn't get to see it actually play out. And so I'm curious to hear from both of you. Tell me more about the work and how it contributed to the story. The work is magnificent. Every aspect of it. I know that Brandon Fraser had actually gained some weight, but he's nowhere near 400 pounds. <laughs> um, you could not have told this story without, I mean, even when you look at his legs and his ankles and the gout and the everything, you, you cringe, you cringe. It, it, it tells the story that he's trying to tell. I realized something this year watching these awards. As I've gotten older, I have less patience for filmmakers that don't move me. Your job as a filmmaker is to move me. I want to watch a movie that moves me, whether it makes me angry, sad, happy, whatever. And I'm emotionally pretty easy to manipulate. So (laughs) if you don't succeed in that, I really have to wonder what your skill level is. I'm gonna just say that because I found a lot of these movies didn't move me. I wanted to be moved by his story. And I thought the makeup, the makeup completely moved me. The filmmaking didn't necessarily move me. There were moments that the director made choices that literally I felt pulled me out as opposed to put me in the movie. And he, between with all of the makeup, is probably one of the most sympathetic characters I've seen in a very long time. So if you can't make me feel, because of your filmmaking, which is, of course, another story, I'm left scratching my head. You know what I mean? Like, but the makeup was astounding. There was not a glitch. There was, you know, and and at some point, we're going to have to, as as an industry, start talking about with 5K and with everything that goes into this and what kind of computer fixes we're now going to start to need to do to put these things up on a screen And you're not going to see this because every day our technology makes it clearer and clearer and clearer. And I don't know, again, how much they're allowed to do with all of this or with the Emmys, how much cleanup they're allowed to do. But that's got to be going on because we don't have pixelation anymore in filmmaking. (laughs) And that used to be where we hid all of our sins. But I do think that the makeup in that was phenomenal. The makeup is amazing. 
totally amazing. And the film itself, I, I think there were parts that were too nebulous. Uh, and but that's the director and I'm not I'm talking about makeup right now I'll get back to that one of the things that was happening for me when I was watching it was first of all this is real this is real life this is a tragic story of a human being sitting in their home and killing themselves slowly by eating themselves to death because of sins that I'm not completely sure by the end of the movie that were committed that were worthy of that but that being said, the performance that Brendan Fraser puts out is an amazing piece of work for somebody that came from Encino Man to doing this piece. And yes, 50 pounds is probably where his weight gain level has been in his real life. So to me, I was enraptured by the brilliance of this makeup. And I, I don't know if they had to do a lot of digital touching up, but they got really close on him in many scenes to show the intensity of this tragedy that he was doing to himself. And the stories, it's amazing. It's kind of not a movie I would put on repeat. It's kind of like Schindler's List. It was so brilliant and amazing and awful that I, I hardly have ever watched Schindler's List. I, I think maybe I've watched it twice, but years and years apart because, you know, at some point we want to escape and we want to be mesmerized. And so sitting and watching a human being destroy themselves and eat themselves to death is kind of like, okay. And also all this controversy around, you and I both know, Angela, you may be able to get a 450 pound actor, but they're not going to do the same performance. It's it's just the nature of it. And I, I hope nobody gets mad that, you know, there's big people that can act too. I know that I work with them, but there's a reason that we need to do some of the things we do, like fat suits or what is that politically correct? I don't know. But, you know, these are things that we need to do and uh, we need to age people, their faces and their hair and sometimes put a paunch on them. And sometimes, you know, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. The makeup did work. The makeup, when he stood up, I mean, it's agonizing. It's just, uh, you'll get to see it later, I'm sure, Skid, because it's really worth seeing to see the caliber of work that went into it and his performance. And when I look at everything like acting wise and, you know, but that's another category. I don't know who's going to win for acting, but it's a pretty amazing performance of this tortured person. So all of that being said, it's like Schindler's list for me. It's not something I'm going to watch again and again to see if I, there's something I missed because it's all right there. The other performances were good also, but it, that was the makeup and hair on the show right. was Brendan. So this comes up frequently for all of us in the makeup and hair field. One film has like so many components to make it happen and so many people come together to make it happen. And then there's another movie where there's only three actors total or four and you know a small team of makeup people so it's almost like the categories it's kind of confusing i find it hard to see how they make these choices because how can you take the whale and compare it makeup and hair wise to the work and the people how many people it took to do all quiet on the western front 
how many BG artists, how many makeup artists, hair people, costumers and everything. You know, we all know about that. And the regular world doesn't. And so that's the part that gets a little confusing for me when we have these categories and these movies. It gets challenging. But I did uh, think the movie was um, dark and twisty. But I did think the makeup and hair was amazing on him and uh, his performance. Out of all of the movies, it's the only movie that could not have been made without the makeup. Mm -hmm. Like Colin Farrell could have played the penguin as Colin Farrell. And, you know, probably none of us would have even thought about it. But you couldn't tell the story of somebody dying of obesity or trying to eat themselves to death without this man being 500 pounds. So it really is. In that sense, everything about that movie is about the makeup. Yeah. You could have told the story. You could have seen Colonel Tom Parker, Tom Hanks without the makeup, just embodying him. And we wouldn't have thought about it again. But you can't do that with a 500 pound man. No. So, you know, that's probably the reason that that movie will walk away with some awards. The yeah. Statue. Yeah. And, and, and rightfully but so. We may be the surprised. Are beautiful. There's no, nobody's begrudging them that the makeups are beautiful. Really, I mean, the makeups across the board this year, all realistic, all beautiful, all done to perfection. I, I would be very interested to see what the Academy's criteria list is and how they break down what goes in and what go, what doesn't. How do they break down? Yeah, this one really told the story, you know, because that's a line I always hear. The Academy decides that the makeup and hair has told a story. But there's way more than that that tugs on my heartstrings also. There are times that I'm watching movies, I'm so distracted by makeup or hair, or I'm so distracted by, you know, all of a sudden you're doing a period piece and somebody's walking around and it looks like it's 2010 or 2023. And I'm like, what were they thinking? I mean, right. that's, that's part of... Uh, some of what happened with Babylon and why it never even made any of the... It's the factor of don't make a decision that takes me out of your movie. Yeah. You know, I have to buy in emotionally. I have to believe that you've got X amount of time to get me in and keep me in. Well, ladies, with those five films having gotten the final nominations, I'm wondering if either of you saw Blonde. And I have a little bit of a bias because Tina and Jamie Lee came on the show and talked about all the work they did. And I'm surprised that that narrative didn't carry it forward on a list like this, where they were recreating an iconic look under difficult conditions. And it looks great. It's not a movie I'm crazy about. But did either of you see it? Did you have an opinion about that one? I did see it. And I think they're both amazing and brilliant. Uh, but I also, the movie left me just, you know, flat. It just was like so objectifying and so awful the way that it was done. And that doesn't denigate, you know, all, all the work that they did. She did look good, but it was just such a, it, the movie was not, I didn't like it. And it goes back to some of what we said earlier. It's hard even for some of this technical craft to break through if the movie itself. A bad movie can kind of pull down the emotional feelings that you're having, even to notice and respect the work when you're saddled with these negative feelings about actually watching a film. Everybody said the movie was terrible. I mean, I, that was part of the reason I didn't even bother watching it because everybody was like, you know, she looked great, but, and whatever there's the but, <laughs> like you don't get two hours of my life. 
That's right. Some of the other characters also were well done. It was well done, but the movie was like, it wasn't, there was not redeeming stuff. So I think that's what hurt them on the artistry side was the movie. And you said it earlier, if you're not going to entertain me in some way and keep me in your movie and I just want to run away as opposed to watch it, I'm not going to be looking at how much amazing things happened during the process of making the film, like wigs, because, you know, I do wigs like a crazy girl. And uh, there was a lot of wig work in this show and it was really well done. But I just, the movie just was dreadful. <laughs> I will say that I don't necessarily need to feel good at the end of a movie. I can walk no. away feeling lousy. That's right. My job as a storyteller is to make me walk away with something in the pit of my stomach, be it joy or anger or, you know, my mom and I used to have these conversations because she would be like, I hated that movie. And I was, why? Well, because they did this or they made me feel this way. No, ma, that he did his job. Like he did his job. If he made you feel, if you walked away angry because you couldn't stand these two lead characters, job accomplished. Mission accomplished. You're not supposed to always walk away loving something, but I want to feel. Don't make me walk away from your movie indifferent. And like you said with uh, the gimmicky stuff with uh, the Elvis thing, Blonde was just like slapping you back and forth across the face over and over again. And I was like, I'm indifferent to this. I don't. I want to walk away. I don't want to sit here and watch all the way till the end, no matter how great she looked and her voice and everything. Why are you doing this? Why did you make this movie in this way when there was so many stories about her too to tell other than just the dark side? Well, I think the point that we're bringing up is not that the movie, we want to feel a certain way, but the actual viewing of the movie shouldn't feel like a grind. It's very hard to be invested in what might have been great or even what was not good when the movie itself feels like a lot of work on our part just to get through. Yes, most definitely. And and trying to extrapolate what you think is good work in the middle of being in quicksand becomes very, very hard. (laughs) Well, this will be an interesting year to see how it shakes out. On that note, we're going to call it a wrap. You've been here since I launched the podcast. Always grateful to have you back. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Now, listeners, I always appreciate your feedback. You'll find my contact info at our website, below the line, oneword.biz. That's B-I-Z. Our Oscars coverage is just getting underway, so please subscribe if you haven't already. I'm not guaranteeing you'll win your Oscar pool, but what you learn here will make for good party conversation. Thanks to Curtis Five for our music, John Watt for our logo. The logo is available on T-shirts, mugs, and stickers at redbubble.com. To all of our listeners, I appreciate you. Please rate us wherever you get your podcasts and tell your friends. Thanks again from Below the Line.